How's it going, everyone? Security Unfiltered, episode 28. Man, I can't believe that uh, we've come this far. I mean, I probably say that like every week. I mean, it's pretty surprising to me, honestly, that uh, that I still have so many listeners that, that I do and whatnot. So, I mean, first things first, I want to thank all the people that have been donating and everything or tipping uh, the podcast through the buy me a coffee link that I have set up. I really appreciate it. And, you know, like I've said before, all the money that I get literally goes right back into the podcast for maintaining it, the different services that I'm using, if there's any software licensing fees, all that sort of stuff. It's just going straight into that so that I can keep doing what I'm doing with this podcast. So I really do appreciate it, guys. It's really awesome. It's really flattering that someone thought highly enough of me to, you know, donate some of their hard-earned money to me and to this podcast. So thank you, guys. I really want to, uh, you know, just say that, emphasize that. Thank you, guys. So this episode is our midweek news episode. There's really just a couple articles that I wanted to touch on. One is at Wired. The link will be in the description of the episode. The title of the article is How China's Hacking Entered a Reckless New Phase. So this is kind of interesting, right? So let's think about this a little bit because... In the years prior, for the most part, a lot of the big hacks were attributed to like Russia and North Korea, and they were fairly limited in their scope and scale, right? Maybe the one exception could be uh, Russia's hack of Ukraine, you know, their power grid when they took over the power grid at the power plants and basically shut it down for a couple months, I believe it was. I think we've even discussed it a little bit previously. So, I mean, that would be limited because it would be limited to just certain systems at really, you know, one or two power plants, right? Or a couple of them, just enough for them to do whatever, whatever test they were clearly trying to do, which is pretty interesting. And, you know, off, let me think, I mean, what is one that North Korea has done? Well, I guess one would be when North Korea was going after Bangladesh's national bank and they were trying to steal something like a billion dollars from the bank. And it all started with just a malfunctioning printer. Honestly, I'll probably talk more about this next week on next week's news episode because I think it's pretty interesting to kind of dive into it. But with China, you know, this article talks about how China organizes some of these attacks, right? So China has a group called MSS that specializes in creating different hacks and exploits and putting these, you know, ransomwares together, whatever it might be, right? Whatever the attack might be, they specialize in putting all of that together. To me, at least, it can be, you know, correlated or similar to like how the NSA or whatever division of the CIA that does cyber attacks, how they might operate. I mean, I, I don't know, but that's just me theorizing of what's going on. And so they put together these different exploits and whatnot, and then they go and hire like a third-party contractor, basically, uh, which it's kind of crazy, but, you know, they want to 
increase the deniability of China having any influence over the attack or anything like that, right? And so they will go and hire another, you know, third party crime group or hacking group that will then go and gain access. And, you know, there's different groups that specialize in different areas of cybersecurity, right? So one group may really be good at getting into networks and navigating the network, mapping it all out. Another group might be specialized with getting into a certain kind of server. Maybe it's a, you know, Windows like 2016 server or something like that, right? Those are all different things. And so the MSS group will hire out these contractors, give them the exploit and say, get into this company. And when you get into the company, launch the exploit, we'll give you 50 to 70% of the payout, right? I mean, that's insane. You know, that that's kind of crazy thinking that someone's willing to leave 70% on the table for something that might get them, you know, $10 million or something like that, right? I mean, I assume that when, when nation states are doing this sort of thing, honestly, that they'd be going after more than $10 million, but that may not be the case. So two weeks ago, I guess, Biden went and attributed China's MSS group to the Microsoft Exchange exploit and attacks that were, you know, discovered. I think it was in January. I mean, how crazy is that? They broke into no fewer than 30,000 exchange servers around the world. That's pretty massive. And, you know, a lot of them left behind reverse shells and all these different backdoors so that they can go and get back into the environment later on, even after it being patched. And so the best way for you to get rid of something like that after you patch is to then go and look throughout your network to see if there's any backdoors or any, you know, network traffic that's going somewhere that shouldn't be going somewhere, you know, it's crazy. But, you know, it. I found it really interesting in this article because it said typically you see this sort of action that might be similar to something that like Russia might do. And Russia really paves the way and leads the way in uh, cyber I don't want to say cyber crime, but cyber attacks. And, you know, I, I kind of want to make a distinction in my own vocabulary, right? Like, I'm sure that this is going to be totally different for other people. But when I think of a nation state doing something, right, like a, like an exploit or, or hacking in somewhere, that's an attack, you know, to me. Like, that's kind of just how I differentiate it. You know, because it's a nation state, it's a much larger entity, like they have a real military and so whenever you see something like that, I mean, it's an attack, you know, it's the same thing if they like, you know, went and blew up a building or dropped a bomb somewhere, right? Like it's an attack. You wouldn't say it's a crime, right? And so to me, when it's an individual group, you know, that's not tied to a nation state or anything like that, I consider that to be more of a cyber crime because it's more of an individual that, you know, has this ideology or whatever, has this thought to go and break into this company and steal all this data or encrypt all this data and everything. I feel like that's more of a cyber crime because, you know, you're prosecuting that one individual. And so, you know, really America and, and other countries, they haven't really specifically pointed out like, hey, this is China. China did this, or Russia did this, or North Korea did this. You know, they're in the past, they've been leaning more towards 
oh, this hacker group that could be funded by Russia did this hack, right? But now they're saying, like, no, this was China. This was orchestrated by MSS, and MSS tried to outsource it to a third-party contractor to go and carry out all this stuff. And in the article, you know, they even bring up back when CC Cleaner, the computer hard drive cleaning tool, right? CC Cleaner, when that legitimate software was actually compromised with malicious code. And, you know, when when Asus had their own software or their code compromised, right? Like where it had malicious code in it. I mean, it's it's crazy. This article is even talking about how China is rivaling even Russia in the scale of its cyber attacks and even North Korea in the scale of its cyber attacks. I mean, honestly, you know, me personally, I feel like there's no repercussions for whatever China does. Right. And so, like, they're getting away with a lot of this stuff and they keep upping the ante and they're doing it because they keep getting away with it. But then we dive into an area where it's like, well, what do we do? Right. Like this whole cyber warfare, cyber security area is still extraordinarily new, really 10 to 15 years old type of new. I mean, that's nothing. So, I mean, there isn't even like very good viable laws around this sort of stuff. And so, like, I feel like we're trying to figure out what to do. As it's all going on, but we're not able to even like come close to keeping up with all the breaches and the attacks and all this different stuff that China is doing, that Russia is doing, that North Korea is doing. What's the next step? What what do we do in response to it? Because there there has to be something that stops them, right? Something that says, okay, you know what? Maybe I should stop. Maybe I should calm down. Maybe I should not do it on this scale, or maybe I should just shouldn't do it, right? We see that with other types of war. You know, we see that with really every other kind of war, right? Like on 9-11, when the terrorists flew the planes into the buildings and killed all those people, there was no doubt about it that we were at war at that very minute. Like, there was no doubt about it in anyone's mind, right? But when someone goes and hacks into the Colonial Pipeline, um, I think that they're saying that it's it might have been Russia or North Korea. I mean, I don't know, to be 100% honest with you. I don't know because I haven't read an article on it very recently. But, you know, like, when you go and take down a pipeline... Right. Like that, that's affecting the nation. That's affecting the entire nation in some way. It's potentially impacting our defenses. If the attack like carried on for weeks or months, I'm sure it would eventually start to impact us in in major ways. Right. Like, how do we react to that? And hacking back is we're always taught it's never a solution. Right. Like, you should never hack back once you got hacked you should never hack back because it's only going to entice the attackers and they will likely begin hacking back with you you know at the, at the same time right like i feel like if it's a war just call it a war <laughs> right like i i feel like the administration and this isn't just biden 
It's every administration that we've had with the cyber era. I feel like they've all not acknowledged that we are kind of in an all-out war. Maybe not all-out war, but we are definitely in a cyber war. And there's other countries out there that don't care about the ethics of them taking down a hospital or, or, you know, them taking down a pipeline. I mean, China back in 2018 paralyzed two Taiwanese oil companies with a ransomware attack. And, you know, there's a whole lot of different political things behind that, that, you know, China's history with Taiwan and everything like that, right? But I mean, that's just one example. And I wouldn't doubt it at all if they pull off another big attack before the year's over. I hope they don't, but I wouldn't doubt it at all. And I wouldn't doubt it if they're already in that company's network or that agency's network that they are going to be performing that attack on. But, you know, this article really brought to light where Russia has been leading the way with cyber attacks. And Russia will even keep it to not necessarily a minimum, but they'll lessen the scope, right? They'll be very precise with the attack. China doesn't care. China's like... 30,000 Microsoft Exchange servers? Nah, let's get 100. Let's get 100,000. You know, and they probably did get 100,000. In all honesty, they probably did get 100,000. And there's only been, (laughs) at minimum, 30,000 reports of this sort of vulnerability or exploit happening in someone's environment, right? Stay with us. We'll be right back. If you're an engineer or a scientist, you love Formula One, you love cycling, you love learning about how new technologies are changing the world around us, then I thought you may want to listen in to my new podcast, the Neil Ashton Podcast. We talk to leading engineers and scientists from around the world, hear about their life stories, hear about new technologies, and hopefully educate you and give you a better sense of how key things like machine learning, artificial intelligence, supercomputing are changing the world around us. If that sounds like it's something you might like, you should come and have a listen. Man, I I just feel like it's crazy. And I feel like if we don't take more of a offensive or reactive stance to this, it's just going to keep getting worse, right? Like it's going to get to a point is what I worry about. It's going to get to a point where one of these countries is going to launch a cyber attack at us and it's going to take down like the grid on the east coast for like a month and then at that point if we don't respond with similar or more severity than that they're just going to do more because right now we're barely responding you know the president's going in front of the news in front of the media, you know, offering up these $10 million cash rewards to catch these people saying like, hey, you know, we are not for this. We're against it. You know, they need to stop doing this. In China, that doesn't matter. Like that doesn't bother them one bit, nor should it, because it's literally just a press conference where the president is saying, you know, this is China. 
we don't like it and they should stop. <laughs> like we're not providing enough of a response that would make anyone stop, right? Especially a nation state attacker. You're not going to make another nation state attacker stop what they're doing when they are malicious. When they do actually want to cause harm, they're not going to care about any of that stuff. And so where do we go from here? You know, I don't really know because hacking back isn't a great solution. It's probably not the right solution, but there needs to be someone smarter than me out there that can think of a solution towards this. Another article that I wanted to bring up was the Naked Security article. It's nakedsecurity.sophos.com. There's pretty good articles on here. They do a pretty good job of talking about different, you know, vulnerabilities and exploits that are going on in the world. So the title of this article is Microsoft Researcher Found Apple Zero Day in March and Didn't Report It. Whew. Man, you know, this is interesting to me, right? Like, so this article doesn't really talk about what the person does at Microsoft or anything like that. I assume they're a security researcher and they're looking for vulnerabilities in Microsoft products. So then it makes me think that this researcher was was doing this bug bounty program or is doing bug bounty programs on the side outside of Microsoft and everything which i mean i'm i'm sure many of them do <laughs> like look when you're that smart when you have those kinds of skills and talents and the ability to do a bug bounty yeah you should be doing it because i mean some of these bug bounties pay out pretty hefty that's a huge amount like let's say you know, you're doing your day-to-day -day job, right, for Microsoft, and you're making $300,000 a year, right? Like, this guy probably making three hundred k a year because he's so good at his job and he's working at the right company. And then on the side, maybe he makes another hundred k a year in bug bounties, but maybe he's only doing two or three bug bounties, right? I mean, that's crazy, that's an insane amount of money and that's just, that's cash. That's, they're probably going to give you that money like before taxes. So, you know, you got to take some money out for taxes, of course, always pay your taxes because the IRS will get you. <laughs> but that's crazy just right off the bat is that this guy is so damn good at his job at Microsoft that he has free time outside of work to find a zero day in Apple software that spans across all of their devices, basically. And he was so caught up in other things that he was like, eh, I don't need this one right now because he, it says in the article that he discovered it in March and then put it aside and didn't plan on touching it until August because he had too much going on. Like he just didn't have the bandwidth to go and create like a full exploit for it and to submit it with like rock solid evidence for Apple to pay him because, you know, I'm sure these bug bounties that the companies require the exploit to be sent to them in a certain way. Like you can't just present them a zero day and be like, oh, hey, there's a zero day here. You should go test it all out and this and that and, you know, give me my money. I'm sure that like the bigger companies, 
They really want that full exploit so that they can take it, run the exploit against it and say, oh, this is a real thing. This could potentially be actively used. And I think it even said in the article that Apple's formal statement was that they got a report that it was being actively used in the real world as an exploit and so they went and released the patch within like 24 hours or something like that it might have even been faster than that but you know like (laughs) it is crazy because like there are levels to this right and i talk about this a lot with you guys but just to get like a glimpse right of the different levels that there are in cybersecurity. It's crazy. (laughs) You know, it's like, man, this guy's making all this money at Microsoft, probably top of the line at Microsoft, no doubt about it. And I'm over here just as a engineer, you know, like just trying to put things together and fix them and design systems really good and whatnot, right? This guy's finding zero days and stuff. I, I wouldn't even know where to start. And I hope, like I do think in a few years later on in my career, I do want to just get skills on the offensive side, not necessarily go onto the offensive side of cybersecurity, but you know, I, I want to get more skills. So I really want to dive more into like those certs. And maybe if I'm lucky, I can get the OSCP or something like that, you know, that proves the skills that I would have potentially at that time. So I think it's really interesting. But, you know, I thought that it was really uh, cool and, and eye opening, right? Just by the fact that this guy found it and just sat on it and was like, yeah, I'll get to it in five months or whatever. I mean, that's crazy. Like if it was me, I mean, I would have been on top of it trying to get it all put together. It also says in the article that the more you provide with the exploit, sometimes that will correlate to how much money you get for the exploit. So if you provide them with a full exploit and not just a draft, they could provide you you know, more money um, on that front, which is always nice. It's always really good. That's all that I really have for this week. I know the past couple times I've gone through like probably three different articles and whatnot, but this week I I only have the time to get through two. Next week, we're going to be diving into North Korea for sure. And there's also articles that I found that are pretty interesting that I want to dive into with you guys as well. So I hope that you guys are enjoying this uh, news episode. If you want to follow the podcast a little bit more, we're on Twitter now at SecUNF podcast. Uh, that is the podcast name. I'm also going to be doing some work to the podcast website and getting all of that situated and putting all of my content into one place. So my blog is going to be there. My podcast will be on the same site. When I fire up everything with Patreon and all of that stuff, that will be there. Any merch will be on that site as well. So it'll be a really good logical move for my audience, right? And for me to just have everything in one place. It just simply makes sense. So that's all that I have for today, guys. I will most likely have another episode coming out this week where we are interviewing someone I think you guys will find really interesting. Hope you guys enjoy this episode. If you do enjoy it, please leave a review. Rate the podcast on whatever platform you are listening on. Make sure that you please follow the podcast as well. 
those are some of the biggest ways that you can support the podcast. And if you are so obliged, please share the podcast, you know, share it to someone that may actually get some value out of it. You know, there's a lot of people that do message me that say that they get a lot of value out of this podcast. I really do appreciate it. I really do my best to try and provide you with the most helpful information for you to be as successful as possible in this field, because I love this field and it was really hard for me to get into it. That's all that I got, guys. Thanks. Have a good week. See you.